The world is an ever-changing place. The question is, is it getting worse or better? You know, we watch news reports and it can be hard to take the things we see in our world. Not only is the world changing, but we're changing. We're getting older. Things change. Is there any constant? Is there any solid foundation? Well, the Bible answers that question emphatically. It says the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know Him? Do you know the stability that comes from being in a relationship with Him? We'll find out more about that today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. The book of James, unchanging. We live in a world of change, I'm sure you've probably noticed. It's captured in some songs, sunrise, sunset. Sunrise, sunset, <laughs> right? Things vary. The light on the earth varies. We have sun going up, sun going down, at least that's the way we put it. We have good days and bad days. And one of the things that kind of reveals the changing nature of our lives is actually our bodies. Our bodies change as life goes on. We get older. And so we can see this world in the changing aspects of what we go through and even in our own mortality. This world is a changing place. Sometimes we see a young person that we haven't seen for a while and they've grown big and tall and they may even have a five o'clock shadow and we say, boy, how you've changed. And there we're celebrating change for the good. Or we might do this, we might think of an old TV show that you know, we, we really enjoyed and we wanna look up that star today and maybe it's 30 years later and we click on the internet, and we go, what do they look like today? Have you ever had one of those things? What are, what are they like today? And you click on the picture, and how you remember them in the movies from the 80s or the 70s or the 90s ain't how they look today. And you say, wow, they've changed, and not for the better. And sometimes we don't realize the changes that have happened to us. I was in a coffee shop recently, and I was uh, meeting with some folks from the church, and I ran to a guy, and he, and he said, hey, what church do you go to? And he was doing some discipleship, and I said, oh, I go to Living Truth. And he goes, oh, that Michael Lance over there at Living Truth, he's a, he's a great teacher. And I said, I am Michael Lance. And he went, you are? Boy, you look different. <laughs> and I went... And all God's people said, ouch. <laughs> How different do I look? And in what ways do I look different? Pray tell. I don't want to know. And then we go back and, and we, we can look at pictures, you know, for those of us who are a little older and we had fuller heads of hair and darker. And we go, wow, things have changed. And this is the world we live in. It's a world of change. My worst day can be somebody else's best day. Have you ever think, of, think about that? Like, you know, maybe for you uh, recently, you've been at a memorial service and maybe it happened on a Friday afternoon. And, and on that same Friday afternoon, somebody else maybe in our own city was celebrating a raise or, 
you know, one of the best days of their life or somebody said yes to a marriage proposal or they just had a new addition to their family and they're celebrating over here and we're mourning over here. There's seasons for everything. And on the same day, there can be mourning in one household and rejoicing in another. And some people in James' day were saying, look, I'm trying to make sense of bad days. I'm trying to make sense of persecution. I'm trying to make sense of where is God when evil happens? This has been categorized as the problem of evil. It's probably one of the most pressing issues in the uh, theological circles of Christianity to try to deal with the question, the problem of evil. How do we make sense of evil when we know God is good but yet we find evil in the world. And this is what the early Christians were wrestling with in famine and in uh, poverty and in questions of persecution. Where are you, God, when I'm having my bad day? Does God's nature change when my day is bad? And then the next week when I have a good day, does his nature change? Is there anything we might categorize as immutable? That's the big theological term for God's nature. God is unchanging, his immutability. Well, is it true that God doesn't change? Is there anything that I can anchor my life to when I have those question marks in my soul that turn like a fish hook in my heart? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. What's going on? Where are you, God? Do you care? Some uh, may have been saying, do you even have the power to change my circumstances? Some people Let's, let's face it, have walked into the church, tried Christianity, and left. And they're out there somewhere even this morning with questions in their soul. You may be one of those people. Maybe you have come back to church and it's been a recent experience for you. And one of the problems that you had to be quite candid is you were mad at God. You were trying to make sense of a loss or a circumstance or an inexplicable happening, whether it be abuse or somebody over here who, who died young or whatever it may be. We, we know there's a debate in the news of a baby. I don't know what the outcome has been in Europe under socialized medicine. And uh, can they move the, the baby to spare its life? You know, these kind of debates, and you're saying a life is at stake. This is not about a philosophy. This is about a life. But this is the way things unfold in our world. And in the state of California, I know our heads have been spinning with the weird laws coming down the pike. I know recently there was a homeschool law, and some of our homeschoolers flew to Sacramento to try to fight it. They want to put names on a list, and it sounds like, you know, it's Big Brother and some scary stuff, and that bill was defeated, praise God. And it never even made it to the floor. But we look at the world and, and, and we say, you know, what do we do about such things? And when we pray, is heaven actually hearing our cries? Life changes. John the Baptist learned a key about life. He learned that it wasn't about him. And in John 3, 27, some of his uh, disciples had come to him and they said, hey, people are flocking to Jesus and they're not coming to you anymore. And John said these words. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it first been given to him from heaven. In other words, when you know your role, that your life, if you can find this out about life, and it's a hard thing, is really not all about you and your creature comforts. It's about being used for the glory of another. It's about being a blessing to other people. If you can kind of reshift your life in a very selfish society, and we have selfish tendencies in our flesh, you're gonna start to figure out what life is about. 
Life is about he must increase, I must decrease. That's John 3.30. Pat Summerall, some of you know the name. He was a famous football player, a legendary uh, broadcaster. He did a lot of huge games with John Madden, a lot of Super Bowls uh, a while back. And uh, he shared the following uh, testimony. He became an alcoholic and he drank so much for so many years that one night after having a couple of drinks, he, he was going to bed and he got up and he was sick and, and he was at Augusta for the Masters uh, golf tournament. But what he threw up, and I, I don't mean to gross you out, but this is his story. What he threw up was a portion of his stomach. He'd been drinking so much that his stomach began to deteriorate from the alcohol abuse and he got sick one night and when he looked in the toilet at what he had thrown up it was actually part of his stomach and so it was obviously a very scary moment for him he was in the bathroom he looked in the mirror and he said these words what have I done to myself what am I doing to myself as he looked in the mirror he describes the lights in the bathroom kept getting brighter and brighter and brighter so that it, as they got brighter he could see his face clearer and clearer he told that story later at a function, and after telling it, legendary football coach Tom Landry asked Pat Summerall if he wanted to know what those lights getting brighter and brighter were all about. Would you like to know? And Summerall said, oh yes, I'd like to know. Landry replied, that was the angels of God showing you clearly who you are and that you need God. Pat Summerall said he didn't think too much of it at the time, but that was something he would remember after he became a believer. He said, I had all this talent and success, but I never thought about where it came from or who gave it to me. And so as we live this life, you know, we can become very self-consumed. We can say, oh, I've, I've got this talent. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. But we can come to a place in our lives where we have to take a closer look at ourselves under the bright lights as it were. And life is not found in the uh, possessions we, we get in this life or the accolades or the fame. It's found in actually being a servant. But the early Christians were asking the question, well, where is God when I'm trying to follow him and people are abusing me and life is tough? Is, has God changed? And they were even asking the question, is God the source of evil? Is God tempting me? And James said, let none of you say, when I'm being tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Don't say that, James said. Each one of us is tempted when we're drawn away by our own lust and enticed. This is the problem. The problem is within. It's not God. It's us. We have a fallen nature and we live in a fallen world. And so James wants to remind his readers that God is good. And the main thing that James is communicating is just that. God is good. Look at verse 16. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift, 17, is from above. God is good. Now, I want to show you just a few Psalms. If you hold your place in James, go to the book of Psalms. The psalmists, obviously, there was more than just David, but they wrestled. Psalm 34 is where you want. They wrestled with life and its difficulty, and they would cry out to God with great honesty, and in Psalm 34, this is a Psalm of David, and he says these words, and David went through all of his trials, as we know. Psalm 34, verse one says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. 
Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Hey, listening family. If you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. People are abusing me and life is tough. Is, has God changed? And they were even asking the question, is God the source of evil? Is God tempting me? And James said, let none of you say, when I'm being tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Don't say that, James said. Each one of us is tempted when we're drawn away by our own lust and enticed. This is the problem. The problem is within. It's not God. It's us. We have a fallen nature and we live in a fallen world. And so James wants to remind his readers that God is good. And the main thing that James is communicating is just that. God is good. Look at verse 16. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift, 17, is from above. God is good. Now, I want to show you just a few psalms. If you hold your place in James, go to the book of Psalms. The psalmist, obviously, there was more than just David, but they wrestled. Psalm 34 is where you want. They wrestled with life and its difficulty, and they would cry out to God with great honesty. And in Psalm 34, this is a psalm of David, and he says these words. And David went through all of his trials, as we know. Psalm 34, verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, 34.3, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed, 34.6. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see, what's your Bible say? That the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, there is no want. Turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100 is a celebratory psalm. We probably have quoted it many times in the context of worshiping God in music. But Psalm 100 says these words. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are, peop we are his people and the sheep of his pasture, verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is what? The Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Flip over to Psalm 135. Psalm 135, just look at verse three with me. It says, praise the Lord. Psalm 135, 
verse 3 says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is lovely. There's something good when we praise God together, something healthy and beautiful. And then Psalm 145, just one more in the psalm. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, 145, 8, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. If God is good and God does not change, if he is truly immutable, unchanging, then God will always be good. Even on your worst day, God is still good. Even on your worst day, my worst day, God is still God. But the early Christians were asking the question, if you turn back to the book of James, well, what do I do with my circumstances? Uh, Lamentations, a book about destruction and lament, mourning, says the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new, how often? Every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. That's interestingly enough in Lamentations 3, 22 through 25. And Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Don't be duped, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. God is good. And God is good all the time. Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, the same. That was my request this morning for the praise team. That's a song back in the day from Hillsong. And every time I hear it, it just ministers to my heart. Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, the same. And when we conclude this message, I'm going to point us back to Jesus. And we're going to see God's ultimate expression of good is Jesus. But right now, he warns. He says, I don't want you to be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived by your circumstances, verse 16, James 1. And don't be deceived if someone in the congregation, perhaps, or one of your friends, or someone comes out with a book and says to you, oh, God is not good, or God's the author of evil. That's a lie. Don't be deceived. Many times in the Bible, you're going to find expressions like this where the Bible warns us, don't be deceived about God or about his nature. Don't buy the lie. Because if you buy that lie and you try to go back into that world and you try to find the answer to the problem of evil from the atheists, you ain't going to find it. You try to find it from the agnostics, you ain't going to find it. God has an answer for the problem of evil. And we're going to talk about that as we move on. Verse 16, many scholars have said, is a bridge between the previous section and the one that follows. I want you to see in verse 16 that James addresses the church as my beloved brethren. He loves them, and that's why he warns them. And just so you know, when someone warns you not to buy a lie or not to be deceived, it doesn't mean that they don't love you. I know in our culture, we sometimes believe that love and niceness have to go hand in hand. That's not necessarily true. Warning can be the most loving thing that you can do. And James is warning the beloved brethren, the church, don't be deceived, you guys. Don't buy the lie that somehow God is not good or he doesn't have the power to change uh, your life or your heart. 
Galatians 6-7 says, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. James says God is not evil. He's not the author of evil. In fact, verse 17, James 1, every good thing or every good gift, the ESV says, bestowed or given, every perfect gift is from above. Just the opposite. God's not evil. He's good. And he rains down good gifts to us consistently. In fact, the only reason you are here right now is because of God. God made you. And without God, there ain't no you. Never, you know, I don't know if you've thought about it in those simplistic of terms. But without God, there's no humanity. There's no beauty. There's no anything. And Dr. Martin said, you should think about this additional thing. It's a privilege to be human. After all, you could have been a fruit fly. I mean, God had options, right? <laughs> there, there's a lot of different creatures on the planet. Some days, I wish I were my dog, though. I have to confess. My dog seems to have a very simple life, you know? And my dog, for some reason, is always happy. What is up with dogs? <laughs> it's a... Always, always happy to see me. I could have her locked in the house for 10 hours on a 105-day in Corona. <laughs> and the name in Hebrew for dogs is Caleb, which means all heart. How appropriate is that? <laughs> anyway, well, that's enough of that. You see, James is saying every good thing, every good gift, Every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights who doesn't change, simply put. We'll get into the verses in a second, but every good gift comes down from God who doesn't change. I know your circumstances have changed, James might say. I know you were pushed out of Jerusalem. I know there's been famine and poverty. I know it's been hard to be a Christian. I know some people have rejected you and said you're not part of their family anymore. But God doesn't change. Your circumstances have changed. God does not change. There's no variation in God. He is changeless. He is good. He is the Prince of Lights, the Father of Lights, a unique phrase in Scripture. God rains goodness upon us. In fact, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights. One writer says, in fact, light is one of the loveliest gifts from our Father above. Just think about it. Just the gift of light itself. God fathered the lights of the universe, giving birth to each of its 10 octillion stars, by the way, which he calls all of them by name, in their individual brightness, ordering in their distinctive constellation and framing the physical laws that keep them on their courses, as well as ordering and sustaining the suns and planets and moons of the solar system. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth knowledge. Night after night, they send a message. God is good. 
He's the father of lights. He made the sun, the moon, and the stars. R. Kent Hughes, in a commentary on James, is listing the benedictions before the Hebrew Shema, the prayer of Israel. And he says, the following uh, are the benedictions before the Shema in their original form. Blessed be thou, O Lord, King of the world, who formest the light and createst the darkness, who makest peace and createst everything, who in mercy givest light to the earth and to those who dwell upon it, and in thy goodness day by day and every day renewest the works of creation. Blessed be the Lord our God for the glory of his handiwork, for the light giving lights which he made for his praise, Selah. Blessed be the Lord our God who hath formed the lights. Without him there is no light. Without him there is no creation. Without him there is no you and me. There's nothing to discuss, nothing to debate, nothing to complain about, nothing to rejoice in. Without him, your heart doesn't beat. You have no circulatory system. You have no eye. You have no taste buds. There is no reproduction. There is no anything. God is good. God decided to make you. God decided to make you in his image, which makes you quite unique. These are concepts that we don't think about often as humans, but we should. We should put them back into our vernacular as families around the dinner table. You've been made in God's image. You bear the moral character of God. You have been given creative abilities and the ability to work and to think and to reason and to be a change agent in this world. Use your life. Your life is an opportunity. One of the great opportunities of all time. And many of our young people are checking out because they don't know if life's even worth living. That's a lie. James would say, don't be deceived by that lie. Your life is a great opportunity to use for the glory of God. God made the great light, Psalm 136, verse 7. His loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day. His loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and the stars to rule by night. His loving kindness is everlasting, Psalm 136, verses 7 through 9. Uh, Jeremiah writes, after he goes through the new covenant, where God will write his laws on the hearts of the nation of Israel. He says, thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and fixed uh, order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. He's the creator. The world that we live on is just far enough from the sun that we don't melt. The moon has a big impact in the order of things in our lives. The air that we breathe, the world we enjoy is a gift from our Father. Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. 
Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.